Welcome you to Crown Corner here on Sports Radio FNZ's Facebook, Twitter, Twitch, and YouTube. We are here on a special evening edition of Crown Corner. Normally we do this in the morning, but uh, duty calls with yours truly uh, in the mornings on WFNZ this week. So we uh, decided to move it to the late afternoon, early evening. We also wanted to get it in before the Hornets tonight and their game against the Atlanta Hawks. Will Pelagic, Jessica Charman, your broadcast voices for Charlotte FC on the Charlotte FC Radio Network. And always great to talk about a win, Jess, especially one over a rival like Atlanta United. Goodness gracious, Will. I'm so glad we got those three points. The revenge certainly tastes sweet. Fantastic performance. And as we say, it's a very different vibe on Crown Corner when you pick up three points on the Saturday. One of the things that you and I talked about on the radio today, I I found it very telling that in this contest charlotte fc had a starting 11 that played a very i'd say demonstrative chunk of the game and i believe longer than really anybody had ever played without getting a sub out and i think that everybody in the starting 11 had their positive moments and there wasn't really anything glaring from anybody that i could look at and say oh my goodness this guy played a bad game i feel like everyone had their positives and really, I, didn't, I couldn't take anything negative away from really anybody in the match, even if I'm trying to nitpick. No, well, I think the most important thing is you want to have consistency with your side. You want, the ideal is that you don't have to make subs at halftime. You don't have to make adjustments because you want the same players on who are reading the game well, who are getting used to playing against the opponent. The only reason the subs came in my mind was because we started to get fatigued. We made some good substitutions, some good switches of energy. Love the addition of Adam Armour. Love the addition of Mackenzie Gaines. I thought they really added something towards the end of the match. They had great game management, smart substitutions from Miguel Angel Ramirez, and smart timing as well. And Titi even almost got himself a goal there at the end, too. I feel like he's somebody who I think drew a lot of the ire early on from people because he was one of those Miguel Angel Ramirez picks, and he hadn't necessarily shown out as much as I think people wanted him to. So at least at this this juncture, he's starting to be on the up and up and really starting to push for playing time. We also will see Camille Josviak possibly for the first time in a Charlotte FC kit on game day. He was in training for the last two days, and we'll hear a little bit from him later on in this podcast. We'll also hear from Brant Bronico, who had himself a fantastic game, as is per his uh, at least custom here lately. And we'll also hear from a couple of people as we get ready for New England, Brad Feldman of the New England Revolution broadcast team, and Vaughn Pullman from the QC Royals as we do our supporter spotlight near the end of the broadcast. Be sure to give us your questions. Is uh, If you are new to our broadcast, uh, we are live. You can see the see the time. It, it is actually like 6 o'clock around here, so this is absolutely live. So if you give us a question on our Facebook, Twitch, or YouTube platforms, uh, we can not only have it shared with you on our screen, but we will answer them for you all at the end of our broadcast time. So be sure to june, tune in with that. You can also tweet at Willie P. Style and at Just Talks Footy in terms of that. I know you've had a lot of chances to hear from both of us, but I think what they really want to hear, Jess, is that highlight montage. Absolutely. Let's go. Let's go. Montage it up, Matt. We're underway as Carol Spaderski plays it back to Christian Fuchs. Dwyer in the box. Dwyer, 1v1 with Carujo. Dwyer turns around. Save made Kalina. Nicely done with both hands inside the six-shot box. He was off his line, but was able to beat that with the greatest of ease. Al Sivar approaches toward the net, going through the back post. He scores! Daddy Al Sivar on his own! Yes, and he did! One 
Marcelino Moreno goes down. They play the advantage, though. Left side for Gutman. Gutman in the box. Gutman, a shot. Save Kalina. Oh, I don't know how they played the advantage there, but at least Gutman is saved that by Kalina. It's stolen by Almada. Middle of the park, Moreno. Moreno near the halfway line. A shot near the left side post. It missed it outside wide. Again, Christian Kalina has it covered. He actually pulls his arms away from the shot to prevent the corner. Alcibar already on a goal. Alcibar to the area. Alcibar with a cross for Svidersky. He handles it. Alan Franco a shot. Blocked out by Ibarra. Appeal for handball, but no call. Sosa wins the first ball forward. Now Moreno in the box. Marcelino Moreno a shot. Save Kalina! Armour trying to get some insurance for Ortiz. TT to the right side. TT a shot. Missed it right side. Oh, TT Ortiz was that close to the sealer. Lennon approaches its swinger, back post, headed by Charlotte, away from danger, that is it! Heavy is the head, then where's the crowd? Ding dong, the king is dead! The Queen City defeats Atlanta! All over. Yeah! Like I told you, it's always better when we win. Always better when we win. I just love it. Ding dong, the king is dead. And my little yeah at the end, you could tell we were absolutely pumped up. And when you listen back to the highlights, look, we waved some storms. I think it's important to note that too. Good teams are able to thrive under pressure, with withhold themselves when they are being battered at moments. Atlanta United put the pressure on. Kalina made some great saves. Our defense played really strong. They looked the most organized they've looked. And every week, Will, it gets better. Philadelphia Union, a bit of an anomaly. But the fact that we were able to respond from what was probably the poorest performance of the season against Philly Union and respond in such a positive way speaks volumes for this side and speaks volumes for their mentality as well as their ability on the pitch. And speaks again to the parody of MLS, Miguel Angel Ramirez, speaking of familiar refrain that he's spoken many times this season, anyone can beat anyone in this league, especially with his game model. This game model is, I mean, allows... Any team to be able to compete with good players, you know, when you have better players in front, uh, the only way to to beat them is with this with this style. I mean, it's, it's my it's my belief. Um, it happened in the past with me, you know, um, when I play against giants like Flamengo, for example, with this amazing players that they have and we were able to compete and to win and to beat them have chances and and I mean this is the magic also of the football you know the a difference of 80 millions between Atlanta United and Charlotte FC squad this why we love football because anyone can be can beat anyone Amen to Miguel and mm. Hal Ramirez. In Miguel, we trust. I think it's so smart the way he talks about the game. And I agree with this comment. You know, I think it made a huge difference looking at this team and playing the way that we want to play. Against Philadelphia Union, we were a little critical. We played defensive. We tried to adjust a little bit too much for the opposition. We see Karol Svidersky thrive when he has the support of another forward. Daniel Rios does a fantastic job off the ball. We always praise him. And I think that it showed our chance creation, 15 shots. That's a brilliant chance creation. The four on target, something we need to work on. But again, when we look at these stats, we know that they don't tell the full story. Four shots and, on target, but they had a lot of blocks. They took, they defended well. And think, the thing about it, I want to point out with the possession is that Charlotte FC held 51% of the possession. Atlanta held 49% of the possession. That's a stat that sometimes lies. Like it, Charlotte held a lot of the possession in the Philadelphia game. It wasn't quality possession. Can't stand and possession. I, Can't and, and stand would, the possession stat at all, Will, because at the end of the day, yes. it's what you do with it. It's the quality. And if you don't press, if a side doesn't press, it's very easy to build up possession numbers by moving the ball around the back. So it's all about what you can do when you have the possession. And Charlotte FC were a lot more forward going. We talked about the, the fullbacks, Jaden Lindsay and Mora were a lot more aggressive than we've seen them in other games, whipping in some crosses. I thought it was one of Jalen Lindsay's best attacking performances. And I know Mora has started to win that cold heart of yours over. Oh, he certainly has. Oh, oh really? <laughs> really? You're blaming Mike? It's not that I didn't like Mora. It's just, it's that I, I feel like it's all about getting your best 11 on the pitch. And, 
the best 11 that we have, a lot of it is tilted toward the back end. And Mora was basically playing a role that we thought maybe Christian Fuchs could play that gets you another center back on the pitch, whether that's McCoon, whether that's Anton Walks. But one of the things we've found out, at least over the last couple of weeks, is that Fuchs has been a very big stalwart. And honestly, I think he plays better as a center back now, at least in this format. than oh, With his than legs, he absolutely. He is 100% strongest in that center back position. And he's also a leader at the back. That's where you want your captain. A lot of times exactly. you want them in that center back position. He's vocal. Uh, and what he makes up for where he doesn't have the pace is his communication and the relationship between Guzman and Corujo. Christian Kalina and Fuchs is pivotal because you can tell that they understand each other, where their strengths and weaknesses are, when they're coming for the ball. And thank you, Michael, for agreeing. Lindsay's yes. movement was fantastic. That was the best game we saw from our fullbacks by far. And it was something that I feel like there was a lot that you can really love. And 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 Fuchs does at least have a, a, a better, I think, frame of mind at, at center back. I do understand that and I do agree with that. But I do feel like at least from the standpoint of where we sit going into this game, we are playing some of our best football, and it's one of the things that Miguel Angel Ramirez talked about also as part of his post game as well. Yeah, super important, of course. When when you have your people, I mean, and these people, because you can have people that go to the theater or cinema and they just watch the game. Here they don't watch the game; they finish without voice. And now I, I went around the the fans and to to thank them and, and they were without voices. So at home, we will have always like disadvantage. And we were suffering the second half and they were pushing, 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 you know, helping uh, to breathe. Uh, and of course, we will not have this away, but, but yeah, I mean, we'll try to, to compete to yeah. and to, to get something from, from these away games because finally we want to win whatever, here or outside. And well, I've never seen anything like the fan relationship between Charlotte FC and the players. I think it's an incredible thing. We talked about watching Christian Kalina signing autographs for what felt like the entire post-match show. We go for 30 minutes. It's absolutely incredible. And I think that it really does help to have that relationship with an inaugural side too. It's really important that the fans get recognized by the players for their importance because that's what keeps you coming out week after week when you feel appreciated, when you feel you're making a difference. He touched on going on the road. That's going to be difficult. It mm -hmm. always is in MLS. But when you have the rhythm, when you have the belief of the performance that you've made and you're going into it feeling confident, I think this is the week that we can really go on the road and pick up some points. And it's usually... Something out of the extraordinary is what you need to make things happen. And that means a Carol Svidersky that is 90 minutes fit and one that's engaged and one that, like we said earlier, is playing in that formation where he has some help and has some service up top. We'll see how Camille Josviak fits into that as well. And we'll uh, get into that a little bit later on in our podcast. But as we get ready to go inside the training ground, Jess and I get to talk to somebody who, if you spend any time with him, he is the guy who I like to call the mayor because he is the nicest, nicest person on this team. Yet on the pitch, he plays like anything but a nice guy. And that's Grant what I was going to say, Will. Absolutely crazy. Absolutely crazy. And speaking to him is a completely different world. Yeah, Brent Bronico is our guest this week as we go inside the training ground. It is Crown Corner, and it's time to get a little taste of the training ground, and it's time to talk to one of our favorites, Brant Bronico, the ex-Charlotte 49er, ex-Charlotte Independence Loney, and a man who has held down the holding midfield for Charlotte FC through the first seven games. He joins us on Crown Corner. Brant, it's a great pleasure to have you on the podcast, and uh, it's great to talk about a win over Atlanta. What did it feel to get that revenge over that club from uh, the game earlier on in the season? Ed, it's a great pleasure to be here. Um, I appreciate you guys having me on. Um, and yeah, I mean, the win over Atlanta definitely felt good, um, especially coming off a loss in the 97th minute, uh, just like a real dagger um, for us, especially away in a, in, in a I guess, a so-called derby match, uh, if you will. Um, but yeah, Sunday was an incredible experience. The the supporters made it even made the win even sweeter. Um, so just still still buzzing off of that. 
Look, I know you've been tagged in a few of my complimentary videos talking about your playing style. It's very difficult to describe because you're physical, but you also have ball skills. Talk to us a little bit about yourself. How would you describe your playing style? Um, for me, I think, you know, a little bit, a little bit of everything. Um, kind of like kind of what you said. Um, I can get stuck in in challenges and I'm happy to. You know, I like, I like a battle in the midfield. I like to be aggressive. I like to be physical. Um, while on the other hand, I'm a technical player as well that can get the ball, move the ball, um, and bring it forward, um, as you said before. So, I mean, you kind of you kind of nailed it with uh, with all of your pretty good at what I do, I guess. Pretty yeah, good at I guess what I so. Do. <laughs> <laughs> I I remember when they brought you in, Brand, and, and kind of just kind of looking at the uh, the hierarchy and the, the history of this club. You were one of the first guys that people kind of thought of and, and connected to this club just because of your roots with Charlotte 49ers, just the fact that you are coming back here to a city that you held so dear, what does it mean to you to be putting on that shirt with the club badge and, and leading a team, honestly, that has acquitted itself very well in the opening portion of this season? I'll tell you, it means everything to me. Um, this city, you, you know, it's, it's so special to me and when I found out that they were getting an MLS team, I called my agent immediately and I said, look, we got to we got to figure out a way to get there because, you know, like I need that, <laughs> uh, you know. So um, just going back, college was an awesome experience. And ultimately, it was my pathway to playing professional soccer because we didn't have an MLS academy in North Carolina where I grew up. Um, so, you know, UNC Charlotte was literally like my only way. And I was able to develop there under my coaches, um, Kevin Langan and Jason Osborne and Kyle Gukins. And they helped me ultimately, you know, reach my dream. Um, but obviously there was a lot more work to do um, with, with Chicago. And, and, and like I said, you know, I called my agent when, when Charlotte uh, announced the MLS team. And one year later, um, I signed for him. It was like another dream come true. Um, you know, I met my wife at UNC Charlotte. She played soccer there as well. Uh, we got engaged in Charlotte, um, and now I'm playing professional soccer here and living out my dream And for, for a club that, I mean, literally means everything to me. Seems to be a club that's made a lot of dreams come true, right, Willie? I think we uh, can, very say, much so. very we much can so. say the same for us. Um, when it comes to coaches, you just spoke about a couple of influential coaches during your time in college. How's Miguel and how Ramirez? So many players have spoken very highly of him. How do you feel? Yeah, I mean, uh, Miguel is a guy who's going to be honest with you. And I think that is, well, for me, something I can genuinely appreciate um, when, you know, when you ask him, hey, you know, what, what do I need to do better? What do I need to do here? Well, you know, and as a, as a player to improve, you need honesty from a coach. And that's really what, what Miguel gives you. And he's, he has an open door to his office. He's always willing to talk to his players, willing to help his players and willing to work with his players which is another great attribute from a coach and not to mention the way he sees the game, you know, on the tactical side of things. Um, I think he has a, a clear playing style um, that he, that he kind of displays for all of his players and be like, Hey, this is what I need out of you. Um, and, you know, it's our job to, to execute. Um, so just having, you know, someone who's genuine, someone who's honest and someone who defines a role so clearly for you, it makes it a lot easier for us as players. One of the first, he was either pre-match or post-match press conferences, he said something about you that when it comes to the game model, you just get it or, or you took to it in a way right before the season that made like he didn't need to do any explanations. From the time you first had an interaction with Miguel to now, describe to us kind of what it's been like to to learn this game model and and really enrich it because – it seems like at least lately you guys are executing it without real, you know, it's it just instinctive now. It feels so fluid now. And, and I feel like it's something that's developed over time. What was that development like? Yeah. I mean, it, you know, it's, t it's interesting because, you know, obviously, well, I like to say, you know, good things take time and great things take grind and stuff like this. It's a process. Um, anything that is sustainable is going to, there's like, there's a process behind it. It's not just going to click right away. And usually stuff that clicks right away, it's not sustainable. So it's, 
when people become impatient from the start, it's like, guys, like this is a completely new team, completely new system. Everything is new. Like we need to work into it. We need to learn. People need to work together. You know, we're, we're, you know, 25, 30 new players together, all learning a new system under a new coaching staff. Like, yes, like things are going to take time. And of course, from the moment we stepped there for preseason to now, of course, we're going to get better. And as the season gets on, we're going to get even more, even more better. And that's just how that's just how things are, especially when you have the players and coaching staff that we have that are willing to work with each other, that are willing to get better and willing to put in put in the time to do it. So, I mean, it's it's like, you know, we did ask for patience at the beginning and now it's clicking and more people are happy. And, you know, this is exactly what I figured what was going to happen. It's just like, you know, I know saying be patient is cliche and, and all this stuff, but it's really like you, you we're, we're new. And now as we play together more and we learn the system more, yes, we're going to get better. That's usually how processes work. Um, so that's just kind of like my thoughts. And, and I'm glad that, you know, we, we are getting better at it. Um, and obviously we still have a lot of work to do and a lot more to build off of, but as of late, you're right. Like we have done, we have done very well. Um, and now I think for us, the next step is to learn to win on the road and we will do that as well. And you read my mind, speaking of hard work to do and getting on the road this weekend against New England Revolution, obviously faced them at home, picked up the victory at home. How different is it to go on the road in MLS? And is it more of a struggle, obviously, not having those home fans behind you? Yeah, it, it is definitely more difficult, especially, you know, for us, because we're, we're privileged with, with such amazing supporters and such an amazing atmosphere in Bank of America. And, and I can't tell you, how grateful we are and how much we, we really do talk about and appreciate the supporters that we have. Um, but then going on the road, yeah, it's always tough going to somebody else's, somebody else's house, if you will, and, and beating them there. Cause that's what they're used to. That's what they're accustomed to. Um, but in order to be a great team, you have to win road games, especially in this league. Um, and like I said before, you know, we're going to learn how to do that and we're going to be good at it eventually. And we're also going to be a great team. Um, but you know, it's just taking one step at a time, one game at a time. And, and new England is, they have a good side, you know, I know the results don't show it, but they have a lot of good players. Um, they were a great team last year and it's always a battle. Like it's always a tough battle with them. Um, especially, especially in the midfield. Um, and hopefully, you know, we can take that next step as a team by winning our first road game this weekend in new England. Brand, I know that you guys, between Christian and Adam and yourself, really took that loan experience with Charlotte Independence very seriously, and it was incredibly helpful uh, when it comes to the chemistry of you guys all together. What was it like to kind of grow and bond with those guys last year? It was it was an amazing amazing experience. Um, I know we we enjoyed spending time with each other, getting to know each other before you know our inaugural season with Charlotte FC. Uh, but even even the soccer that we were playing with the independents, there were so many great guys and so many great players on that team. Um, and just kind of me, Adam and and Fuchs, just, you know, building that relationship before the season came along and and playing with other, you know, very good players as well um, helped us not only develop our relationships, but develop as players to come into this first year with Charlotte FC. Um, so I'm I mean, I'm definitely grateful. I'm definitely happy that we all had that opportunity to do that, um, to get ready uh, to, for, for 2022 with Charlotte FC. And how cool was it that Adam got that first goal? It was so cool. You know, it was, it was amazing. I was so happy for him. And I told him before the game, I said, you know, I don't know why, but I just have this feeling that you're going to score today. Like, I don't know what it is. And, you know, lo and behold, he subs on and, and scores the first goal in history. And I was like, let's go. Like, Adam, like, I, he deserved this. You know, he, he, he works hard. Um, he's still a young kid. He obviously still has a lot of work to do. But uh, he's, a, he's a great guy, like a good, a good teammate. And I know, you know, he's been wanting his opportunity and he's been working for it. Um, there's still some things he, he needs to work on for sure. But, you know, I'm, I was super happy that uh, he scored the first goal for the club. Speaking of Adam Armour and things he has to work on, I know I poked a little bit of fun about his Under Armour shirt during uh, less than chilly conditions. Back to fashion. Who is the best dressed and worst dressed teammate in Charlotte FC? Ooh. Oh, man. Um, best dressed? Obviously, I guess, like, besides my, 
myself you're speaking um man i don't best dress is tough because a lot of guys do they do dress like pretty well no um, i was inspired for this question by the video did you see the video the club posted of everyone walking in oh yeah Atlanta United oh, gave yeah. It some digs and it, you know it was hilarious <laughs> yeah i mean you know anton walks has some swag guzman dresses <laughs> well um Adam, Adam likes his outfits. Jalen likes his outfits. Um, and like, and, and Carol, I think so too. Like it's tough, like between those guys, cause they all, they all dress well and, and appreciate a good outfit. Um, I think, I don't want to say like worst dressed, but <laughs> most interestingly most dressed. Peculiar, most interesting, peculiar. Most peculiar, I think has got to be uh, Ben. <laughs> Ben's got his own, his own style, which is awesome. But uh, I don't know if I would really wear what he's wearing. <laughs> Different generation. Do you, do you guys yeah. give uh, Miguel any any stick for uh, for the cardigans? Because I for, I love the cardigans swag that he brings. <laughs> Miguel, he's a. I mean, he dresses nice, especially for game days. Um, I especially enjoy his shirts that he wears because um, yeah. he's had a couple a couple of different ones that I've never seen before. Um, but uh, yeah, every time he comes into the locker room on game day, I was like, man, you got another fire shirt. Like this is, this is, looks nice, <laughs> you know, <laughs> um, but yeah, I, I mean, Hey, it looks good on him. So that's all that matters. It looks good. I don't, on I don't know if I could pull it off, you know? <laughs> True that. Well, Brent, <laughs> we, we appreciate the time that you've spent with us. Uh, we certainly love talking to you as much as we get a chance to and, uh, continued success throughout the rest of the season. Grab us some three points uh, up in the uh, land of the crabs and lobsters and uh, bring on back here to Charlotte. Yeah, thank you. I appreciate you guys having me time, uh, having me on. And likewise, I uh, appreciate speaking to you guys as well. We'll go. We'll be sure to get the three points this weekend. Love to hear that from our good friend Brant Bronico here on Crown Corner. Uh, we did want to at least update you. I know those of you who were uh, watching us and uh, also watching the Junior Mints, uh, uh, alongside of us, uh, we saw that uh, the U-17s fell 1-0 to NYCFC. Uh, there was a penalty save in there, too, which was uh, what's heartbreaking. But uh, they're playing down in the Generation Adidas Cup down in Texas. So uh, big, big kudos, though, to them to making it for the round of 16. Yes? Definitely, definitely. Really competitive competition down there. And it's a young academy. But the future's bright for Charlotte FC. And I'm excited to see more and more of the academy getting coverage because the next generation and we'll see MLS next coming soon. It's going to be a really good feeder for the club to grow our own players. Big win means big accolades uh, this week from the folks at the MLS. We saw not just Miguel Angel Ramirez be named the coach of the week, but also Jordi Alcivar and Christian Kalina were named to the team of the week. It's a multiple type uh, honoree for Kalina, and it's the first one for Alcivar. And, and even a guy like Jordi, uh, Jess, just because of the fact that, you know, we saw him not make the starting 11 in the opening portion of this season and to be able to play his way into the lineup and get himself adjusted to this league. And now that he's flourishing, he had the big assist of the Bender goal and obviously the Olympico that took place last weekend. It is something to really see his development across this young season at just 22 years of age from Ecuador. And it's a huge compliment to both his maturity. You mentioned his young age, but also his mentality. It can be very difficult to travel all the way across the world, leave your family, you know, uproot and change the league that you're playing in and not immediately walk into a starting lineup. When you're used to playing consistently, it can be difficult and you can respond either way. You can respond by feeling sorry for yourself or you can respond by digging in and working harder than ever to prove that you deserve to be on the pitch. It's pretty obvious that Jordi Asiva did the latter, and now he's reaping the rewards from that hard work. He certainly is, and he's reaping the rewards of a matchup that I think now we can firmly 100% without equivocation say is a rivalry because if you try to go at Minty, you are going to get avenged, and you best not miss because guess what? Minty has come back and gotten the last word on the rivalry with Atlanta United. Uh, we mentioned it for you uh, at least last week, the April Fool's joke pulled by Atlanta United President Darren Eels, uh, calling himself Trainee McTrainface or whatever. Uh, yeah, making fun of the fact that we have a, what did you, what did you say he called it? Mesket? Mesket. He's got to say mascot. He's from very close to me. His pronunciation was shocking. And my biggest peeve with this, and I'll say this and then I'll be quiet, but 
We have mascots in England. Nearly every right. soccer team in England has a mascot. Every sport in America has a mascot. I'm sorry. Atlanta United should make training McTrain face a real thing because mascots belong in MLS. Well, I don't know about training McTrain face because no one's ever going to touch the swag of our friend Minty. And we took a picture with Minty before the New England game, I believe that was what it was. So that was, that was really cool to see him for the first time. We didn't get a chance to see him for the home opener. I have a stat that uh, I brought in from, uh, from Fox soccer, best starts to expansion teams since 2010. Uh, Charlotte FC's is the fourth best expansion side since 2010. One of the four, Overall, since 2010, that's had three wins or more in their first seven matches. Only the Timbers, Atlanta United from 17, and then 2018 LAFC have better point marks through seven matches than Charlotte FC. I know people will try to poke holes at that record just because of the fact that there is a, a little bit of the fact that they have played New England a little bit shorthanded. They played Atlanta shorthanded. It's not like you don't you just roll the ball out there and you get points. You have to actually take to the match. And that's what Charlotte FC has done in their three victories. Yeah, and Will, I think it's a load of rubbish, honestly, when you talk about playing against these sides that are shorthanded. Charlotte FC's only had one DP in their squad at the end of the day. Charlotte FC's had injuries. They've had frustrations with different things happening with their build. Atlanta United has spent more money on their squad even without Joseph Martinez, even without a couple of other players missing out. New England Revolution has a very deep squad. At the end of the day, injuries are normal in soccer. You're going to face teams without your starting lineup in very often times. And it's about that depth. It's about responding to adversity. So I don't think you can discredit Charlotte FC at all for their performances. And New England's going to be out to try and get them on the weekend. And Charlotte FC will need to go on the road and really continue the way they played at home away from that home fans. W weren't there people who were New England fans trying to tell us that their second 11 side could beat many other MLS sides? Was, was that a thing? We, we may have am heard I, that on the am last I, Am I imagining things? Is that we a, may am have I imagining heard things? it. We may have heard it. Let's get a little bit more uh, familiar, re-familiar, I guess you could say, re-familiarized with the folks from New England Revolution. We last saw them uh, last month with a big victory for Charlotte FC, 3-1 at Bank of America Stadium. We now have to make the trek up to Foxborough for the return engagement. Their play-by-play -play voice, Brad Feldman, joins us next here on Crown Corner. <laughs> Crown Corner takes a look at the opposition with the Wing Revolution. For the second consecutive week, we get a rematch of a team we saw earlier this year. And the Wing Revolution is the squad this week. Brad Feldman, their play-by-play -play voice, joins us here on Crown Corner to look at the Revs. Brad, good to talk to you again. How are things? Hi, Will. Uh, good. Uh, yeah, nice to talk to you again. Hi, Jess. Thanks for having hey. me on. So from the, the standpoint of the Revs, I know four consecutive in the loss column in MLS play and five in all comps. What has gone wrong for the Revs since we last saw you guys after uh, that game? They should uh, start by not kicking the ball into their own goal. I think that would be a good thing. <laughs> um, no, I, I don't mean to be glib. It's been a tough time. And uh, the, the results have not matched the effort, but the execution has not been good. Um, you know, you can put it down to a couple of fluky things that happened to start this run, but it feels like the confidence is low. And it, I, I, I felt that way ever since they left um, Mexico City after uh, losing the three-goal lead on aggregate against uh, Pumas and losing on penalties in the Champions League. They saw uh, Charlotte, obviously, a few days later. Uh, tremendous energy in the building down there. And it was always going to be a difficult one coming off of the sort of lows of the, the the previous two losses but then it just starts to, to cascade after that uh, I will say that injuries and suspensions have been part of the issue they haven't had their first choice 11 out there um you know Matt Turner's been out since the beginning of this season in goal um and Gustavo Bo hasn't been available since the uh the second leg of the Puma series uh it also just feels like they're less dynamic, that teams maybe have a better idea of how to limit Carlos Heel. although I think from a revolution perspective, they are hoping that uh, he gets a little more protection from the referees. We saw 
uh, New York Red Bulls really play physically. And I think that they had a few complaints after the Charlotte game, but not as much as, as the New York match. But it's been a persistent uh, theme. That said, that wasn't an issue in their game this this past weekend. They just they just kind of, other than a spell in the second half where I thought that they were the, the, the better team. I just felt like they kind of got bossed, and uh, you know the late fluky goal was their was their own fault. But uh, not having Books up there as a target man, um, you know, they, they, uh, Brandon Biden starts, so they didn't have the same width down the flanks. So like it's just a sort of cascading thing where it's. If one thing goes wrong, and then uh, you know, I think when they had their first choice eleven in there, they're still one of the strongest teams in the Eastern Conference. But that has not been the case so far this year. I think the only thing you say from a Revolution perspective is there's still plenty of time to turn it around. Definitely plenty of time. We'll mention that obviously these two sides have faced each other before the three-one victory at home for Charlotte. What do you think the Reds learned from that result, and what will they do differently to prepare for this one? Stay tight to Swiderski, <laughs> you know, like, uh, so we were just uh, doing some pre-production. So I said, well, we really set him on a good run, huh? <laughs> like, he, he <laughs> broke his duck against the Revs and he's been just uh, lights out uh, ever since. Um, I think they do. They need to find a way to get uh, Carlos Hill on the ball in, in, in areas where he could be dangerous uh, earlier, more often. Uh, so he could pull the strings Um I think they need to uh, – I think it's going to be a different story because the, uh, the Reds will have uh, Farrell and Kessler back in the center of defense, which wasn't the case mm-hmm. uh, in the previous meeting. I think that you'll see a much stronger spine to the team. And, um, you know, I I think at home the Reds are going to feel a lot more comfortable. That was a, that was a tough game. Uh, down there in Charlotte and full credit to the organization for the way, you know, for the way, uh, you know, everybody's launched the, the, the club and, and the crowds and the and atmosphere and the, and the results, right? Like it's uh, three wins now. And so, you know, good for, good, good for you. But I, I think you're going to run into a pretty resolute uh, revolution team this Saturday who, who are not, not very keen to be part of uh <laughs> Charlotte's big debut season uh, from a positive side more. I think it's good. I think you're going to see a better, a better New England side, much, much closer to what uh, to the team that that won the Supporters Shield last year and was so be- tough to beat at home. I know you uh, you get books back this week with uh, off the red card suspension. What can you tell us about Bo and uh, and obviously Turner? I know that uh, the summer window still is uh, awaiting him, but uh, do you think he'll at least get a chance to get back in a Revs uniform before that Arsenal transfer? Oh yeah, no, Matt Turner will play in goal for the Revs. That's the plan, and it was always the plan until he got injured in that preseason closed door uh, friendly. Um, I think it's been frustrating for him and New England. Uh, because in, just in terms of his, you, you don't know how much he's going to play at Arsenal. If he's going to go out on loan, or if he's going to be stuck in a backup role, you just you never know what happens with injuries and so forth. But he wants to get games and preparation uh, for the World Cup and reclaim his position as the number one for the U.S. So you know he, they weren't going to just put him on ice or go down tools or whatever expression you want to use. He he was always going to be the guy. Now they br- brought in the Serbian uh, goalkeeper. Petrovic, but he's not in. He's not going to play. Um, I, I do not expect to see Matt Turner this Saturday, although he is back training. Uh, Gustavo Bo, uh, a bit of a mystery. I don't know. I didn't expect him to be out as long as, as he is, and they've been pretty quiet about the nature of the injury. It's a muscular leg injury, I believe, but that's about it. And so um, if you have a healthy Gustavo Bo, uh, Buxa, and, and Carlos Heel then watch out. And then the Reds are going to be playing a lot more of the game down in their attacking third of the field. And uh, all of a sudden, I think, you know, there's more, more, more pressure on uh, Charlotte, but uh, even without him, you know, we saw a really good performance from the, uh, the young homegrown uh, Justin Rennix got his first MLS goal. He also drew the penalty for the other Revs goal. Um, So I would say if Bo's not back, then, Based on Rennick's performance this past Saturday, not how much ESPN talked about <laughs> each player. It, it, you would think Josie Altador was the first choice striker mm-hmm. uh, from the national broadcast, but you know, Josie's been a good signing, but he was always meant to be covered. So I think Rennick's would go if Bo's not back, unless they go just the lone forward. We've seen Buxa play that way successfully as sort of 
you know, sort of the, the, the platform for the build up the number nine. Um, but I expect him to play with two forwards and uh, I would think Buxa and Rennix most likely um, if, if Bo's not, not fit, which is, which is more likely than not. You've praised the Charlotte FC fans. Obviously, this time around, it's your guys' opportunity to create an atmosphere. How are things feeling over there right now? It's been a while since you've been on a losing streak. It's been a bit of a struggle. Is the atmosphere changing? Are fans getting concerned with the way results are going? Yes, they are getting concerned. And you know, like I don't think people are any more reactive nowadays than they ever were. It's just... You, you can broadcast it now, social it's media. amplified, so yeah. Twitter, <laughs> Twitter fingers. Sports light up pretty quickly. And, you know, what I really don't like about it is everybody's into, every paying customer is entitled to have their say, of course. And, and you want the supporters to, to be engaged and their right to be upset when things aren't going well. I never like when the vitriol is directed personally at the players through their personal accounts. I just think that's a cheap shot. And I think that mm -hmm. most people, you know, you know, if you're going to support them in the good times – you know, like you're not the coach, you know, like you can gripe to each other about it, but to direct the, the criticism, but that's part of it now. And it's, I think the, the, the you have to be much stronger mentally in that respect, because if you're going to use those social media platforms to engage the fans, build the brand and everything, then there's this sort of flip side of the coin. And that's the only thing is, and so, but I did ask the question, our radio broadcast the other day, uh, to Charlie Davies, I, I said, you know, w when does a slump become a crisis? And he said now. Um, yeah, we haven't seen, as you say, Jess, this kind of a losing streak since Bruce Arena took over uh, nearly three years ago. Um, and so it's unfamiliar territory in terms of recent history. But again, I think the the feeling around here from the more rational heads is that it's not making excuses to say that most of the team that was the highest scoring team in the league set the record for points in a regular season in 2021 is still back and in a revolution uniform and it's just getting the right combination of players out on the field getting a couple breaks so that you know if you can if you see adam books again to a you know, run a goal scoring form and you see the back line regain the cohesion that they had for much of last year, then I think the Reds are going to be a really, really tough out, a really tough opponent. And a lot of people around uh, the league might get guilty, uh, become guilty of, of underrating the Reds. Whereas last year, by the middle of the season, everybody was up. It was their cup final. It was their biggest game of the year. And people were bringing their, their, their best. Now I think that, you know, you see the revs near the bottom of the standings and maybe, maybe they take them a little more lightly, but I don't know. I think I know Charlotte is an expansion team, you know, like I've been impressed just with their overall sort of energy levels and the, and you know, the, the spirit in the team. So I don't think they're going to come and take them lightly, but mm -mm. I think the revolution are a much better, better side than what their record presently reflects. Uh, I certainly agree, and uh, we certainly look forward to seeing them on the pitch on Saturday. Brad Feldman, the broadcaster for the Wing Revolution. Look forward to Saturday, Brad. Thank you so much. Hey, glad to join you guys anytime. That is Brad Feldman, the Wing Revolution broadcaster, here with us on Crown Corner. One little wrinkle that goes into this week, Jess, is the re-edition, or I guess the addition now, of Camille Josviak, the second designated player in as uh, basically a trademark left winger, but we know that basically the situation right now with Charlotte FC is Miguel hasn't used wingers. So how do they implement Camille into this while still keeping that offensive firepower? Look, I'm a commentator, not a manager, and my goal is to speculate a little bit on what we do, but... He talked about his positioning. He definitely prefers playing on the wing. He knows how to play fullback in some capacity. Uh, I wonder. I don't think he's ready for 90 minutes. He said that in his press conference today, that he's not quite 90 minutes fit. He thinks he can offer something on the weekend, but unlikely to be 90 minutes. Him and Miguel will have a conversation later on in the week. I'll be interested to see. Because at the end of the day, I'm a believer in, yes, you want to get your best pieces on the pitch, but you cannot change a complete formation based on one player. 
Sometimes our players have to be more flexible. They have to show what they can do in other capacities. And maybe he plays more inverted. He talked about being able to play inverted. He likes to play on the left, but he's right-footed. He likes to get off shots. He could do that from a more inverted midfield position. I'm interested to see, but most importantly, excited to see what he can bring to this side. And he's going to be coming in with a point to prove. I think it's interesting that he's come from Derby County. Those of us that understand the championship understand that Derby is a team fighting for survival against the team that's near and dear to my heart, Reading Football Club. <laughs> um, but he's used to being in those battles. He's used to the physicality of the championship. When I look at championship and MLS, I see a lot of similarities. So I do feel that favours his adjustment to the league. I think he will step right into MLS and enjoy the physicality, enjoy the nitty gritty and love to get stuck in with the battle. You mentioned uh, or just mentioned the allusion to whether or not he'd be 90 minutes fit. He was asked that specifically in his press comments earlier this Wednesday. I don't think so that uh, I could play 90 minutes, uh, maybe a little bit less time, but uh, it's not, you know, it's not my decision. Uh, for sure, we'll speak with coach in the next few days and we will take decision together. Uh, I had just two trainings with the team. Just today was first training with, you know, fully spot because uh, the guys, they had uh, arrest yesterday. So, so we'll, we'll see. Interesting to see how he talks about the fact he's only had two training sessions. Obviously, with this system, it can take a bit more time to adjust. And I think Miguel's going to want players in there that he can 100% count on to understand the formation and understand the way that they play early on. Because the most important thing we want to see is that we concentrate for those first 15 minutes and we don't give up goals early like we did against Philadelphia. Todd brings up uh, maybe split time with Bender until fully healthy or Bender can play on the right. I don't know if that's necessarily the best thing for Bender because Bender's greatest ability is the fact that he has that strong left foot, but he can also use the right foot when needed. Uh, the thing about Camille is that, like we said, he is right-footed, but he very much in the inverse way of Carroll, since Carroll's left foot dominant, he can also use the right foot, but, but Carroll has loved using that left foot on the right side and, and Camille in, in the vice versa fashion love to use the right foot on the left side. And so I do feel like giving the opposition those different looks, it's, it's all about trying to create a five pronged attack up the field and, and in that final last third. And so however, Miguel and how Ramirez tries to employ it, I do feel like Camille is going to be a big part of it. It's just a matter of how he wants to, to space the field directionally. Yeah, but I don't mind Bender. You know what? Because he has that ability with both feet, that makes him an even more dangerous player to defend. Because not only can he take you around the outside and whip in an outswinging ball, he can cut in and take a shot. So it'll be interesting to see. We've seen Ben Bender try a little bit on the wing. It's a difficult position. It's hard. He doesn't necessarily have the pace that you see a lot of wingers have, but he does have the fight. And we've seen a lot of touchline battles with him this season. Uh, I'm not sure if that's the way it goes, but I don't think it's a terrible idea. He has the fire. He has the first touch. Uh, like we said, we wonder whether or not he has the speed and the ability there. And that'll be something that I'm glad is not my uh, gig to try and figure out with uh, Miguel and how Ramirez has to figure out this week in training. Of course, we love hearing every week from our different supporter sections, and it is no different this week. We check in on the QC Royals and someone who is an MLS podcaster in his own right, Vaughn Pullman, representing the QC Royals here on Crown Corner. Here on Crown Corner, it is time for the supporter spotlight, and we focus this week on the QC Royals, who join us uh, this week to try and go through what we are going to look for against the Big Revolution. And one of the guys who's part of the QC Royals is the great Vaughn Pullman, who's also a podcaster in his own right uh, with the MLS Aces podcast and has done a lot of coverage throughout MLS from his time uh, following Sporting Kansas City, his old home club. And now he's found himself a new home with Charlotte FC. What's up, Vaughn? How are you, pal? I'm doing fantastic. I'm, I'm so excited to join you guys here today. Uh, thank you for having me on, Will and Jess. Absolutely. Listen to that sound. Someone's got a real setup, Will. <laughs> <laughs> He's good, man. What have you thought of the first couple of weeks? 
Uh, I mean, the start, you couldn't ask for much better uh, from an expansion club. It, it's been an incredible start to the season. Uh, the electricity uh, in, in the home matches and, and earning those results uh, has been absolutely fantastic. The way the city has embraced the team, uh, the way that the team has embraced the city, uh, it's just really, really exciting to see. Uh, and, and I'm happy that we, we finally are getting to see uh, the fruits of our labor pay off in, in some quality performances. And being in a supporters group, are you surprised about the way that both have embraced each other? Or is it something you expected when Charlotte FC was announced as an expansion side? I mean, it, it just takes time, right? Like if energy and passion is one thing. And when uh, the clubs and the supporters groups are doing things the right way uh, and doing it organically and, and doing it in a way to, to be um, good representatives of the city, that's when the magic happens. And uh, I think we're starting to see that. And and as more uh, Charlotteans get to make it out to uh, the Bank of America Stadium and see these I mean, world-class goals, right? Like we, this Carol Swiderski free kick, uh, the, the Olympico from Alcivar. Uh, how, how do you not fall in love with those players and with the team uh, when you have those moments like that? I'm, I'm glad you mentioned that, Vaughn, just because I feel like, you know, we say these types of things to the soccer the casual soccer fan i don't want to say the indoctrinated the unindoctrinated soccer fan because <laughs> we want we, want, we all want to be welcoming and inclusive right so i explain these things to the, to the casual fan and it's like look in the first seven games we've seen uh, a set piece free kick goal and an olympico i mean that's the kind of stuff that doesn't even happen i mean it, it almost makes you wonder if this could be a bit of a team of destiny in a way well, well, you see that you see the goals from 17 pass buildups and 10 guys touching the ball. And the next week, another 10 possession, uh, you know, 10 passes and 10 guys touching the ball. Um, what we're seeing is we're high, seeing high level soccer, right? I think I think there's a misperception uh, broadly in, in American sports about the, the level of MLS. And mm -hmm. I think people are starting to have an opportunity to see, no, there's really good soccer being played domestically and uh and charlotte having a team that's playing at that high level week in and week out uh and you're seeing the passion from the fans you're seeing the passion from the players from the coaching staff from from everyone involved in the organization um it, it's it, it's something special and and we're just going to grow from here passion about the fans talk a little bit about your supporters group and what makes them special yeah, QC Royals is unique. Uh, QC Royals uh, has been around since 2015 uh, in, in Charlotte and has uh, been a bit nomadic uh, getting to support Charlotte Independence, uh, Stumptown AC, uh, and, and also going beyond just what's on the pitch, right? It's, it's being good, uh, I said, representatives of the community. It's going and, and doing community service programs. It's uh, being vocal about initiatives in the city and, and trying to shine a light on what's so great about the Queen City. Um, and so QC Royals has been doing that uh, since their inception. Uh, it, it's a little bit of a unique organization in, in that uh, QC Royals has tried to stay intentionally small. Uh, we're, we're not trying to be Mint City Collective or, or Southbound and Crown where, where we're trying to have hundreds of members. That, that's not our intent. Um, our intent is so that everybody in our group uh, knows one another, uh, is, is really familial with one another, uh, and, and enjoys uh, the game day experience, but also the non-game day experience uh, through, through more than just uh, the game day uh, games. <laughs> Even though you are trying to keep it nice and tight, you are entertaining people who might want to join, obviously, right? Of course, of course, yeah. And, and the the thing is, we're very welcoming. Like the one of the goals for uh, QC Royals is to welcome also outsiders, um, people that are coming to Charlotte to enjoy these games, away fans. Uh, at the, whether that's at the tailgate and welcoming welcoming they, them there, uh, providing fan guides so that when they come to the city, you are are discovering what is around town and and how to enjoy your time there, um, and, and to find fans that. Yeah, there's going to be a little bit of light banter, but no, the intent is for you to come here and, and fall in love with Charlotte and, and be able to leave here and tell other people about how great the QC is. Um, and, and so, yeah, uh, QC Royals are looking for people that are like minded in that way, people that want to just represent and love their city um, and, and spread that love uh, week in and week out. And you mentioned community, community service. Give us a little bit about what you've done and what you plan to do. 
Yeah, you can see here uh, on on my jersey, I, I'm wearing a heel Charlotte. Uh, we we have one. a reverse. <laughs> yeah, we we have a reverse sponsorship with Heel Charlotte. Um, what that means is that we made a contribution to that organization, and in turn also put their logo on our uh, jersey here. Um, but then we also uh, every fourth Thursday of the month are involved with Block Love Charlotte, uh, which involves uh, handing out meals. Uh, I think it's at 700 North Tryon, uh, and, and doing that. We've done some Second Harvest uh, food bank. Um, programs and trying to just, once again, uh, give back to the community a bit as well. You mentioned talking to uh, some of the opposing fans. What, what were the Atlanta fans like this past weekend? Uh, I'm sure that uh, a lot of them were kind of crying in their uh, in their conductor's hats uh, on their way out of town. <laughs> uh, yeah, I, I will say the Atlanta fans uh, kept a little bit of a wider berth than some of the uh, other fans that have come <laughs> to the city. Uh, but but the ones that I interacted with uh, were very happy to just be welcomed um, at the tailgate lot in particular. Um, I, I think just being able to spend some time and, and talk about uh, you know why, why they're fans of the league, why they're fans of uh, the rivalry, what their thoughts are on, on Charlotte. Uh, that's that's really what we're sharing and and conversing about at this point. And and yeah, uh, may the best team want, win and uh, the best team won. Absolutely, we did. And not to put you on the spot, but one last one from me. Score prediction from this weekend. Do we bring home three points on the road for the first time in history? Uh, I'm going to ease into it. I, I I think we can get a two-two draw. I, I think earning points is is the starting point. Um, I, I think statistics, uh, New England Revolution. Uh, have never had a losing streak uh, this long with, with Bruce Arena. Actually, I don't think Bruce Arena's had a streak like this since his DC United days. So, um, yeah, I, I think New England's probably due for a win, uh, but I think we're going to go up there and give give them all their fight. And one of those losses, I think, was one of those old overtime losses back in the day when they used to have the uh, the old dribble up shootout. American uh, style penalties, as we call them across the pond. American <laughs> style. <laughs> we're not snobby now we're not trying to be snobby <laughs> bud pullman joining us from the qc royals appreciate the time as always bud and uh we welcome you back anytime awesome thank you for having me on tell us how you really feel about the uh, dribble up penalty it wasn't Jeff. i think you misinterpreted me that wasn't a dig i'm just saying how cool it was that was something that we knew mls ah. for it was a very american style thing we used to do them okay. in soccer tournaments and it was a cool thing it was american style it's something that you made okay. an for yourself with okay I, it, it, it sounded like you didn't like it. I don't know. No, I love it. I was good at them too. I was really good at them because I was just come out like a crazy woman, stand big and they hit it at me. Very distracting. Have a death charm and run at you full throttle. Very scary. There's uh, uh, so many things I could say right now. <laughs> so many things I could say right now, but it's probably better to go right to Matt Hogan with our burning questions for the evening as we uh, continue to go here on crown quarter remember you can always send them in on facebook on twitter and twitch as well as youtube just type them in their comment section there and we can get to them matt what is the first one up please i'm new to mls why are we playing the same team so quickly wouldn't the league rather spread them out and we've had a little bit of speculation about this one. Will, looking back in historical results, it doesn't look like this was always the way. Uh, when you look back in the time, it suspiciously started in 2020 when they started doing this. So you have to wonder if some of it's to do with trying to keep things more regional early on, not spreading things out because of COVID protocols. We're lucky that we're able to travel fluidly this year. So excited about that. And I just saw someone needs clips of me in goal. I will, I will stop posting YouTube links. YouTube links incoming of the uh, throwback days. Vicious. I need, I need to see the. I need to see the crazy woman. Who who gets more crazy when when Lloyd says "quote unquote" savage takes over, or or just the crazy woman? What, what, no, it's just Mad crazy? Cat. Mad Cat. They literally nickname me the Mad Cat. Like, come on. Mad Cat. Is that still on me? <laughs> uh, do we have another one, Matt Hogan, that we can bring to the table? Uh, this is from the CLTFC podcast. What adjustments do you think New England will make based on the last match against CLT? Well, we know they'll already have Adam Buxa in there as a starter. He uh, is back off of a red card suspension. He was not in the 20 in the match that he played or that they played down here because of international assignment. He went early to Poland to, uh, to go with the Polish national team because they were down strikers. Uh, we don't know if Gustavo Bo will be there. We don't know whether they will start Altidore or whether they will start Rennick's. 
they will have the two center backs back. Yes, Jess. Uh, yes, Kester and that's going to be uh, huge. Yeah, that's going to be huge because we, when we did our match prep for last time, they had some very slow defenders. This time, they're going to have more pace back there. I think the biggest thing overall that they adjust though is their mental, their mental capacity in this match. I think they underestimated Charlotte FC coming into them, and Charlotte FC punished them. I think New England are going to come into this one expecting far more of a battle. Should be interesting to see whether or not that uh, plays out that way. Let's get one more in here. Do you think that New England will go in a more aggressive attack or more defensively minded again? I'm hoping. I am hoping that we get a uh, more aggressive minded attack, that we learned our lesson about adjusting a little bit too much to the opposition. So hopefully we go in aggressively and really plan to battle. Yeah, I do think that they will be more aggressive. Uh, Carlos Heel, I think that's one of the things that they were talking about uh, on one of the broadcasts that happened since uh, we played them is they were talking about Carlos Heel not getting the benefit of the doubt of the calls. I'm, I'm wondering how that plays out this week with uh, Charlotte and New England the second time around. Be sure to catch us, by the way, on the air, 7 o'clock for a 7.38 first kick on WFNZ, 6.10 a.m. and 92.7 FM in Charlotte. And, of course, all across the Charlotte FC radio network. You can also catch us if you uh, aren't giving access to a radio. You can catch us on the WFNZ app on Google Play as well as the Apple Store. Anything else for the good of the cause, Jess? Get three points. For the crown, baby. Let's go get those three points. And thank you so much, everyone that tuned in. It was so much fun interacting with all of you guys in the comments. It was a blast. We've loved Crown Corner, the PM edition. I say the evening edition. It's like the old match game, the match game PM back in the day. That's a very old reference, by the way. For the crown, let's get three points. And we'll talk to you guys not only next week on Crown Corner, but also on the radio at 7 o'clock on Saturday night. For Jess and producer Matt, I'm Will. Say so long.